All right. So, I've never been a very studious person. I tend to jump headfirst into things, but for this, I decided to do a lot more research, be a little more due diligent, and be a little more empirical. I tend to like things that are a chronology, just going through the entire timeline of something, but for this, it's a little too hard. There is, in fact, a deluge of data. And if you fall down the rabbit hole long enough, you'll see that there's countless conspiracies, some that even deal with misinformation itself and the desire for such entities as the government to spread, which is a multi-tiered problem. So I wanted to start by addressing the sheer vastness of said data. I think when you look at the concept of UFOs, the average person thinks of a few things, Area 51, Roswell, maybe some people remember the Phoenix Lights or flying saucers over Washington in 52. Uh, maybe you saw some footage from the Air Force recently that Tom DeLonge uh, helped spread. But after that, I find most people's minds bleed into science fiction. You start to think of War of the Worlds, the Orson Welles broadcast, a mass of silly sci-fi from the 50s and 60s, and you kind of get bored with the whole exercise and shrug it off. UFOs, aliens, laser beams, it's all very silly. But... I want to invite you to be aware of that sensation, and I want you to take a minute and think about why it's silly. Largely, it's because a bunch of people ran with an idea that was once taken seriously. This discourse of reinventing and manipulating the actual stories into entertainment. Then you get the invention that only hillbillies ever seem to see UFOs. And you get all kinds of tropes and devices that are so ingrained with our culture that to conceive of a UFO, you cannot help but see a giant, brained, claw-handed goop monster. And you cannot help but hear Ed Wood-style theremin music. But yes, I want to invite you to just ruminate on that. Think about why you think these things and wonder, is it maybe just more fun, safer even to laugh it off, shrug it off? collect the Mars Attacks cards, get stoned and watch Independence Day, of course it is. But these stories have an origin, and it's much more vast than the explosion of popular culture that started from a few silly science fiction stories almost 100 years ago. So back to the deluge of data. If you go online and start searching, you'll find countless reports from around the world. In August of 2019, in the U.S. alone, there are over 400 reported sightings. At this point, much like when the police open an investigation to the public, you of course have to assume that a lot of these are misidentified or straight up nonsense. And since people have a tendency of finding things that they're looking for, you can't ignore a huge confirmation bias in the UFO world. I think that paired with the narrative of silly green men and saucers, we land in a fairly cynical and dismissive landscape. It's all too easy to look at these reports and throw up your hands. But the story started somewhere, and there are far too many credible witnesses. Dozens of eyewitness accounts from high-up military personnel from what appear to be really credible sources. That paired with the recent acknowledgement from the U.S. government that the phenomenon is indeed real has to create at least a momentary pause. So, for my first episode, I've invited someone who goes through this data. Someone very familiar with the deluge. Please hold while I try to connect you. 
This is Jan Harzen. He's the executive director of MUFON. Hey, Noel. How are you? So for those who don't know, MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, is a nonprofit that has been going for a while, um, run by volunteers all over the world. Right. Well, yeah, MUFON uh, was started May 31st, 1969, and it was an outgrowth of APRO, which was an aerial phenomena research organization, which was centrally controlled, and a number of gentlemen in the mid- Midwest decided that a better way to organize UFO investigations would be to have it be decentralized, where you'd have state directors with field investigators under them or national directors with field investigators under them that would be able to quickly get on site and uh, follow up on signing reports. So. It was founded um, May 31st, 1969, and as a 501c3, which is nonprofit. Um, so it's uh, federally uh, registered. Uh, you know, donations to MUFON are, are written off. All of our, by the way, all of our support uh, is from the public. It's through memberships. Um, it's through donations. It's through attending our annual symposium, which we have this year coming up in. Uh, 2020 in Las Vegas, uh, July, I think, 16th, 17th, and 18th, if I'm not mistaken, and through uh, store sales. So just, uh, you know, hats, shirts, glasses, whatever it is. <laughs> so that's that's how our funding happens. Now, um, we have uh, operated in 43 countries around the world and all 50 states, and we have approximately 4,000 members worldwide that uh, are paying members now. What we do essentially is we take reports from the public on UFO sighting reports, and we get between 500 to 1,000 a month uh, sent to us. Those reports that's globally. That's globally, yeah. And then it's quite a few. And those go out immediately through our computer system to the state or national directors that uh, where the sighting occurred, and they assign a field investigator to follow up on it. After careful you know, investigation, about 70% of them can be explained, I mean, one way or another. I mean, the... The dispositions we put them into are, number one, hoax, which is very few, 3 to 5% are hoaxes. There's very few hoaxes, really. Um, IFOs, which are identified flying objects, which are either man-made or uh, natural phenomenon. So man-made would be like an airplane, a satellite, um, a balloon, something of that nature. Uh, natural phenomenon would be like the planet Venus, uh, a moon dog, sun dog, um, things like that. So... Um, about 30 to 35% of our cases are IFOs, where we can actually identify what the person was looking at, which is good. And then we have information only. Sometimes people just want to give us information, so they write to us and put a report into us, even though it's really not a UFO report. They're just trying to provide us with information, perhaps on a past case or on something that they thought was interesting that they read. And then um, insufficient data, that's about 10%. That's generally where people don't give us enough information to make a determination, and then they don't return our phone calls or or, or answer our emails, so we don't really have any way to figure out what exactly they saw. Um, But about 30% remain unknown after all that, so that's a good chunk, and those become our research suspects. Um, And what we uh, publish as our cases of interest, um, we narrow that down based on the five observables and try to pick the very, very best cases to publish to the public on, on our website and on our magazine to our membership and also uh, annually in a, in a publication. So I don't know, maybe I'm telling you more than you want to know, but that's kind of, no, that's great. Uh, um, you know, I was just thinking people who are sort of, um, coming to this from the beginning with a, like a new interest in this, there's so much mm-hmm. data. Oh yeah. And I'm just wondering, um, you know, it gets so overwhelming, 
you mentioned yeah. the system. How much of of your cases are um, old cases versus new cases? How much time do you spend on on? Uh, pretty much ninety five percent of it is new stuff it, because it's coming in so fast and furious. It's almost like being waterboarded with all these cases because people see things in the sky they can't explain or on the ground or wherever they see them um, in their bedrooms even, um, and they report it to us. So, um, you know, we actually take reports not only on UFOs, but also on abductions, people who think they're being abducted by aliens, um, people who are seeing entities, you know, truck drivers late at night out on far, uh, far away roads report creatures running across the roadway in front of them, whether that's them sleep, sleeping or (laughs) dreaming or what, I don't know. But I mean, we do get these reports, which is strange creatures. So we actually, when you actually report a UFO, you're actually asked up front, what do you want to report? Do you want to report a UFO sighting? Do you want to report an uh, abduction? Do you want to report a uh, entity? And you can actually click all three because, I mean, it's very possible that you saw a craft and then you felt you were abducted and then you saw some creature. So, I mean, you could you could theoretically click all three of those if you wanted to. We just have a different question set depending on what you what you want to report to us. And those go out to our investigators, as we say, and then they follow up on it and try to, A, make sure that witnesses for real and that they they're sound legitimate and then look for corroborating evidence to back up what they're saying. If there's measurements to be taken because something happened, uh, they'll do that and uh, put it all together. And then they uh, put their, uh, uh, what they're, what they believe it was. And from a, from a uh, um, disposition standpoint. So we have the five dispositions I talked to you about. It's uh, well, first off would be unknown, but then IFO hoax, insufficient data and information only. Yeah, okay. Um, so that's interesting. You have so much information coming in that you're spending time on new cases constantly. What happens to all the data you collect? Well, it's, so it goes to the website, and people can actually, you know, this is for free, but if they go to our website, MUFON.com, click on uh, UFOs, track UFOs, and there's a drop-down menu. You can look at the last 20 reports. Those are the last 20 reports that have come into us. Or you can look at the UFO sighting map, uh, which uh, shows you all the sightings by map, and you can drill down on the cases. Now, those are raw cases, though. That's the, what I caution people is you're looking at the stuff that's coming in the pipeline. Um, like I just told you, about 70% of that is explainable <laughs> as we go through it. So you have to be take it worth a grain of salt. But uh, but for those who want to be right on top of what's happening, that's the number one question I get when I go places. People say, oh, what's the latest? Well, the latest is we got another thousand reports. So, you know, it's like <laughs> you have to kind of crawl through them to figure out what, what's, what's good and what's not so good. Right. Um, yeah. that, um, that is something that definitely, just trying to get a grasp of the phenomenon in general, are there things that stick out to you, like on a timeline from the beginning of civilization to now, um, you know, there seems to be an influx here, or are these are certain cases that really stay with me, these ones... You know. Well, there's a couple. I mean, <coughs> excuse me, uh, triangles. We seem to have a lot of triangles flying around the world. Uh, and these are very large triangles. I mean, 300 to 1,000 feet on the side. And they move very slowly across the sky. And uh, when people see them, they're kind of really taken back by the, the immense the enormity of these, these craft. Um, and they're reported all over the place. So it's not just one one location. Um, that's number one. Number two would be orbs. With a lot of orbs, light balls of light now. You know, either you've got Chinese lanterns and other things, the balloonators, which are balloons with light bulbs inside of them. They could mimic a an orb, 
but we can pretty much tell from how the ball of light acts whether it's one of those other two things or whether it's really truly an orb. Um, so those seem to have intelligence behind them. We're not sure why or how, but um, they seem to move in, in very um, determined ma- manner, and they they, they uh, move around objects, and it, it just appears there's some kind of intelligence behind those orbs. Um, we even, the, um, if I'm not mistaken, that's um, sort of got popularized uh, with the Foo Fighters in World War II. Yes, right. Yeah, balls of light, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, there's orange orbs, there's blue orbs, you know, there's red orbs. I mean, um, we've even had people report orbs coming through the wall into their bedroom and turning into beings. So, um, I, you know, I don't know. It's it's an interesting phenomenon, and it appears to be something here on this planet that uh, people are reporting to us. The other thing that's really surprising and shocking to me is the number of people who report um, non-human beings in their bedrooms at night. Just they'll wake up and there'll be a being standing there um, of all sorts of kinds. And, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's like coming from all sectors. So it's hard to say that these people are lying or that there's anything, you know, they're actually having this experience and what's causing it. So there's a, I don't know necessarily they're extraterrestrial, but, uh, they certainly could be, uh, but they're going to be more interdimensional and, or maybe angelic or what, I mean, it's just, um, I just fascinated by the number of people who report to us on a monthly basis these kind of incidences it's it, it seems to be quite common yet it's probably one of the least talked about things in the world i don't you know it doesn't seem to be like a general conversation oh let me tell you who showed up my bedroom last night <laughs> right, right so uh yeah but you know but these are credible people and uh you talk to them i mean sure there's some hoaxes in there but still it's like incredible to me that uh, this is happening and we there's no conver- there's no general conversation about the public but not like ufos i mean like People mm. will talk about UFOs generally in right. public. Right, right. Um, which makes me think of um, recently it feels like there's been some movement toward credibility, mm-hmm. um, mostly with governmental, official, uh, Navy. Um, people seem to take the credibility of, of somebody in an official position. Um, do you have any comment on on, on recent acknowledgement. Well, yeah, I think it, I think uh, we're seeing an openness on the part of the government to be willing to share some things. I mean, obviously, still a lot of it's classified and it's national security and this that, and the other. But I mean, I think the the, the kimono has been opened and you know Pandora's box, if you will, and and uh, we're not going backwards. Um, Lou Elizondo, who ran the ATIP program, the Advanced Aerial Advanced Aerial Aerospace Threat Identification Program for the Pentagon, uh, is out privately now talking and publicly talking about this. They've got the TV show with GTSA, which is to the stars Academy with Tom DeLong and Chris Mellon and Hal Putoff and Stephen justice. I mean, these are very top level people who've worked within the government and within private industry, um, on this particular subject and they know it's real. So I, I, and I even see the NASA putting that puts out its press releases. They're very much, uh, talking about extraterrestrial life and finding extraterrestrial life and how about how determined they are to find extraterrestrial life. So I, I think it's fascinating that we've, we've kind of turned the corner on this. Um, it's unfortunate that we still have so much of this stuff classified. And I, I understand a lot of it's because the video footage is taken through gun camera photographs of our jet fighters, and they really don't want our, our adversaries to know our capabilities of capturing and tracking 
objects of this nature or, you know, because it would pertain to their own fighter jets. Um, but still, I think if they could clean it up and get some more information out there, I think the public would be more, more open to it. And it does beg the question, you know, I mean, once you are talking about, which they are, the fact that these UFOs are real, that the Navy now says, yes, absolutely, we're chasing them all over the skies. Um, it begs the question, who are they, where are they from, and why are they here? And so that those are harder questions to answer. Talking about the how and the, how and the what are easier, right? Okay, we know they're here, they're real, and we know they're using some kind of advanced physics to get around, and it has to do with space-time engineering. Um, so that's come out of the bag. But uh, beyond that, there's not much talk about who they are, where they're from, and why they're here. Right. Um, that sort of leads me to the you know, general stigma. Uh, you can mm-hmm. sort of, for the most part, talk to somebody about uh, UFOs, and you'll get a good response. But there is still this... Um, that's just, you know, wacko, silly nonsense. Um, why, I know this might be a silly question, but why do you think, in light of how much actual evidence there is now, why do you think that stigma still exists? I think, I think it's because we're going through a huge, we're going through a paradigm shift. I mean, this is bigger than, than the 15, I think it was 1561 or so, when Copernicus declared that the sun was the center of the solar system and I mean, people were burned at the stake because of even postulating that, because how could, it was heresy, you know. How could you right. possibly believe the Earth is not the center of everything? Just look at the sky. Everything revolves around us. Um, you know, and before that, it was probably Jesus Christ, and, you know, 2,000 years ago. I mean, so when you when you change things, the bad thing about paradigm shifts is usually people die. But the good news is we move to the next level of understanding. So uh, I think we're going through this level of understanding. And there's also a thing called the Kubler-Ross grieving curve, which is, uh, the five stages of grief, and any major change in someone's life, um, you go through that, whether it's a divorce or a death or a financial situation or a, just a, a change of jobs. I mean, you go through, you know, denial. The first step is denial. And then I think there are a lot of people still stuck in denial. You know, if it were real, I would know about it. You know, I could see this among scientists. You know, if it were real, we would know it because we'd have, you know, a dead alien right here to look at. I'm like, well, maybe, maybe you don't because somebody's real good at making sure those things don't don't, don't show up, right? So, um, yeah, no, it's it's pretty obvious. I mean, I, th- and I think the good news is the public at large, including scientists, have come to the realization we're, we're not alone in the universe. I mean, it's just too many exoplanets being found, too many Earth-like planets. Um, the, the likelihood that we're it and we're the only it is so infinitesimally small that I think most everybody would say, absolutely, we're, we're not alone. The, the, the rub comes when you ask them, do you think any of that life has ever visited Earth? And that's where they separate into two camps. The one camp, which is absolutely it's been here. Um, those are the ancient alien fans and the you know UFO fans, you know, the people who just, well, logically say, why wouldn't they have come here? We're, we're a pretty good place to come visit, frankly. Um, and the other camp, which is still waiting for the official disclosure. I call it disclosure happened on December 16th, 2017, when the New York Times posted a front page article that the Pentagon had a UFO program and that it was run for over 10 years. That, that's, to me, that was disclosure to the public that these things are real. I think the, the, the other 50% that are still waiting, I think they're waiting for confirmation. They want someone of an official capacity to step to the podium and tell them that it's real or, or more importantly, show them the evidence because I think President Clinton actually tried to do this back in 95, 96 time frame when the Mars rock was found. Um, 
meteorite with uh, ancient microbes on it, and uh, they brought that out to the to the general public, and the scientists just last, I mean, just lacerated the uh, you know the NASA people and the uh, and the and the government because uh, there's no proof. These things, these are just these are just you know whatever in the in the in the meteorite. You know, these are not living creatures. You know, well, of course, they were dead for billions of years, but but I mean, there's still debate today about whether that's true or not true. But I think they were honestly trying to make a statement that there's life in the universe by sharing that. And the, the backlash was so uh, visceral. I mean, it was just so incredible that I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. The adult scientific community, I like jumped on that and just beat it with a 10, but that's just, we, we, we aren't good about change. You know, we aren't yeah. good about uh, changing paradigms. I mean, it's all throughout. It's not just UFOs. It's everything. Medicine. It's, um, you know, you name it, the, the physics. I mean, change comes slowly and it comes it's, it's i think it's all due to the kubler ross grieving curve i think this first thing wall you hit is denial and then the second one is anger you know you're pissed off because you know how come i didn't know this how come no one told me or yeah you know, or, you know i do in talking to people i'm trying to find that opening where you can just say you know can you suspend your um belief yeah right notions yeah um and do you find that there's ever a person that you think you can't crack and they sort of go, well, okay, yeah, that actually makes sense? Mm. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm slowly finding it. I'm slowly finding it, you know. Um, but, but there are – and what's killing me is the, the number of millennials who are just don't want to believe it. It's oh, like – it, it's like, come on, guys, you're the future of humanity and you're, you're, you're like denying what's right in front of your face, you know. I mean – <laughs> the, the old people actually get it. I think maybe it's because they're closer to death. I don't know that there's got to be something else. But uh, yeah, it's it's just um, and then scientists. That's the other one. It's just right. You know, most no, that's of, interesting. Sorry. Well, okay. Well, it's interesting. No, I was just gonna say, um, you know, when the phenomenon maybe started, well, not started because it's yeah. It's, well, it's been here forever. But yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, but when it started, got publicly popular, yeah. popularized. Yeah. Flying saucers. Um, it seemed. Like people were willing to accept it at first, it made perfect sense. Yeah, and then there was the shift, um, as I don't know, movies or making it silly. I don't. Well, know. there was also the Robertson panel, which was a CIA-run uh, study back in the '50s that basically said uh, <coughs> they, they they decided to shut it down, and what they did, they started ridiculing people and making fun of them, and basically destroying their lives if they ever came public with any information. So people, I mean, that's why you. I can't tell you the number of calls I've gotten over the last six, seven years. I've been here in this chair, you know, the, from from airline pilots and and law enforcement people who basically said, "I, I want to tell you something happened to me 30 years ago, but I, I couldn't have talked about it then because I would have lost my job," you know. And they really made it that way. I mean, you would literally lose your job because people thought you were a looney tune, um, so they wouldn't talk about it, you know. And and uh, I think that's that that 50 or 60 year stigma that was attached to it back in the 50s, 1950s. Uh, from the Robinson panel uh, uh, is what causes people to kind of be a little bit iffy about it. I mean, the whole see, word you that's have... people. I mean, the Robinson panel is not like a hugely known thing, obviously, intentionally. So um, I feel like if you could get to people and show them this is why you feel this way, the discourse, you know, right? Um, maybe rethink. But anyway, I just have a couple more questions. Um, a little more zoomed out. What 
made you interested in this? Well, I mean, uh, my brother and I were interested at a very young age, and actually we were trying to build one of these craft in our backyard when we were actually visited by a, a craft. So um, I've actually seen one of these craft close up 30 feet, uh, hovering 10 feet off the ground with landing gear on it. So I, I know the technology is there. I know there's somebody flying it, whether it's us, someone else, or extraterrestrials, whoever. But I mean, this 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 was 1965 when this happened. So, I mean, it's been 54 years. So I... Somebody's got the technology, whether it's extraterrestrials or interdimensional or whoever, uh, the U.S. government and black projects. <laughs> you know, it's like somebody's flying these craft around our skies because uh, – and I'm told by credible sources within the government that it's not us. So, um, you know, that tells you it's, some, it's somebody else. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good news is there don't seem to be eradicating us, so that's good. <laughs> well, we seem to be doing a pretty good job of that ourselves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're just waiting for us to do it so they can move in. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I've heard a few theories. That yeah, that's, yeah, truly. Yeah. Truly. Um, anyway, um, my last question would be sort of, you know, is there something in your heart? Is there like a, I don't know why, but I think this is what it is. I think it's a, I think it's an advanced extraterrestrials. I mean, if you read Michio Kaku's book, the hyperspace, uh, hyperspace, the ten-dimensional universe, he talks about type one, two, and type three civilizations. And you know, we're a type zero. We're from caveman to nuclear age. And then if you don't destroy your civilization, you get to graduate into interstellar, which is a type one, where you're able to manipulate your weather, able to do, change things, and travel interstellar. Um, I think we're we are right on that cusp right now. Um, you know, I'm hoping we don't go. I, I I have great faith in the human race that we will figure out a way to get past the hump and get over the top, and uh, big things will happen for us in the future. But um, let's see, what was your question exactly? Because I'm not sure I'm answering it precisely. But but if it, well, I mean, this, you know, I mean, I think it's extraterrestrials. I think they're so far advanced from us that that, that they look like magic to us. I mean, just like. We would look like magic to an Aborigine in the outback of, you know, Australia or wherever, because walk out there with your your cell phone and show them a YouTube video, they'd be freaked out like with magic, you know. It's like how do you do? Yeah, I mean, how many stories are there of first encounters of um, different cultures? Exactly. Yeah, different civilizations thinking people are magic, you know. Just think a hundred years from now where we will be. I mean, just think back the last hundred years and where we've come from, uh, and so forward. And it's exponential, so it's going to even be more accelerated for the next hundred years. But these civilizations could be a thousand years more advanced. They could be a million years more advanced than us. And so what would that look like to us? You know, a million years from now, what would mankind I mean, it would be so far beyond our even comprehension that there's no, I mean, even a thousand years would be so far beyond our comprehension. So, so yeah, I think they're just advanced civilizations that are, you know, have an interest in us because we're the little bumpkins on the, on the block and, you know, they're watching us and try, probably helping us to try not to destroy our planet and, create problems in space-time. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, you know, the, the, the science all started happening around when the nuclear bombs started being blown off in the 45 time frame. And um, if you look at, I saw a YouTube video once of the, uh, did over a timeline, it showed the nuclear bombs blowing up. And, and we went from like just one, two, three, to like dozens at a time to hundreds at a time. You know, it's like, it was amazing. And then in 61, of course, we had the uh, test ban treaty and we started blowing up things underground. I'm thinking that was told to us by somebody else saying, you guys are really destroying your planet here to keep blowing these things up in the air, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, you know, I think, I think that woke them up and said, okay, these guys are now 
entering that age. We need to keep a close eye on them. But who knows? I mean, you, you know, it, right. it, we're not talking. I mean, there are those um, cases of, um, you know, military, you know, missile testing um, have had sightings and, you know, reported that the the missiles have stopped working. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, that's, oh, yeah. you know, that's. Well, they documented U.S. US Air Force records that they think shutting the, their missiles off. I mean, so good grief. I mean, it wasn't the Russians. In fact, in fact, at the same time, the Russians' missiles were being shut off too. So I mean, yeah. it happened both sides of the of the ocean. But um, yeah, I just you know I just think we're we're just God created a huge universe, put lots of life in it. And we're part of that life, and we just get you. But you know, I mean, that's how it works. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's. Do you think there'll be a day when we you know shake hands on the White House lawn? Well, I do, I do, I do, I do. I think, I think we're still quite a ways off, though. I think we're probably 30, 40, maybe even 50 years off. But, I, but it's going to happen within the, the next lifetime. It's going to definitely, for sure. Um, <clears throat> the thing we need to remember is that is, is we're, we're probably 20, 30 years from being interstellar as a civilization. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to the physicists who are working on that stuff. And, uh, I mean, it, it's coming along very nicely in the white world. I think we've already done it in the black world, personally, but that's just my personal opinion. No facts to back it up other than a conversation I had with Ben Rich once. But... Um, but once we become interstellar and we're out traveling amongst other galaxies or other solar systems in our own galaxy and we're looking down on a planet we're circling above a planet and we look down there's indigenous life on the planet we go down and we interact with that life <clears throat> you know assuming it's lesser than us um, you know we then become the aliens and that's what people need to realize and we're, we're 20 to 30 years from doing that and so if we're 20 to 30 years from doing that I mean why is it so hard to accept the fact that we're being visited by other people from other places? And it might not even be in our visible universe. It could be just from some other place in space and time, because we really don't know how the universe works. We really have such a small understanding. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. There's an infinite number of universes. That just makes my mind hurt. I mean, I can't even get my mind wrapped around there's an infinite universe, just one of them, let alone yeah. billions of them. So, um, you know, this, this is going to be big, 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 big stuff for us. You know, I think the biggest challenge we have is our technological advancement as a civilization has far outstripped our spiritual advancement. So we need to kind of get those two in balance, uh, how that happens. But I know that a lot of people are working on it. Um, so I'm just hopeful that uh, we'll use all this good technology for the betterment of everybody and and not destroy ourselves. That's, that's my wish. Yeah. Well, I will join you on that. Yeah. Um, Jan, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. That was Jan Harzen. He's the executive director at MUFON. For more information on that, go to MUFON.com. Thanks again. episode but my name is Noel I'm a filmmaker in Los Angeles I have absolutely no expertise or background in anything I just find UFOs really interesting and uh, decided to make this as sort of an entry-level thingy uh, for people who are maybe just starting to think about it wondering about it maybe some skeptics to come along with me as I lose my mind on all things UFO I hope you enjoyed listening for whatever reason you are. 
and this is where I do a famous sign-off phrase. <laughs> <laughs>